Or just while the offering's uh, going round, if I could invite you to open your Bible, if you brought one with you, to uh, the Gospel of Matthew, and uh, chapter 6, that would be wonderful. I hope uh, those of you who uh, made our half night of prayer on Friday, the uh, must be about 70 odd people, I guess, came through um, uh, on Friday evening at one point or another, really enjoyed it. I thought it was a, a very powerful, uh, the powerful sense, powerful sense of God with us and speaking to us. If you weren't able, though, to make it, just to say on uh, Friday evening, we launched something we're calling Pray 2020. And uh, when you leave this, ev- uh, this evening, of course, it's going to be a long preach, isn't it? Um, when you leave this morning, <clears throat> um, you'll be given a Pray 2020 bookmark. And um, what we did on Friday evening uh, was uh, actually introduce these five areas that we want to pray for over this year. And uh, today, what I'm actually going to do is preach through those five areas, just so we all get hold of the same uh, sense of vision and why we are doing this. Uh, Just to say, as we go through these things, um, they're not in own order of priority. They're all of equal priority. So please, even though it starts with kingdom impact as the first one, and I'll I'll be working through that order, please don't think, okay, that's that's the order. This is the priority. No, they're all equally important. They're all absolute priorities for us. And uh, also just to say, we're going to be working through this over the year. While I'll be introducing this today, uh, you'll find we will constantly come back to it and use it. And that's why we've created a bookmark, something hopefully you can use um, in a Bible or whatever you read, novels, whatever, to act as a prompt. Uh, Of course, you're welcome to stick it on the fridge door or wherever else, but I'd like to encourage you, if you you want, need two or three to act as reminders, you've got them in different places, have one at work and and one at home or whatever, that's fine. Uh, But let's use it when we see it to think, okay, I want to pray for these things. I want to stir myself in prayer again over these uh, five areas of church life. As we do so, uh, I'd like us, first of all, just to remind ourselves about prayer. And uh, Jesus is recorded uh, in a number of the Gospels as teaching us how to pray. It's in response to uh, a question the disciples ask, how should we pray? Uh, And uh, so we're going to read from Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 5. And uh, running through to verse 15. And when you pray, this is Jesus talking. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. And Father, this passage is so powerful in so, so many ways. We ask quicken it in our spirits and our hearts as we consider how we're going to be praying or focusing our prayers as a church over this next year. Help us, Lord. Teach us to pray. Something most of us, including me, find difficult to do. Teach us to pray. Work in us, Lord Jesus, we ask. Teach us to pray. In Jesus' most precious name. Amen. The other thing, actually, just to say I meant to mention is that the reason we call it Pray 2020 and Beyond is many of these things we're going to be talking about actually have much longer significance. Actually, that we want them to be part of who we are, part of our very DNA as a church. Some are specific for this year. Others have got a much greater breadth and uh, duration to them. So while we're saying pray 2020, let's remember, actually, this is, this is much longer term as well. Okay, so I've got a clicker here. I need to remember to use it. Let's see. Whoa, look at that. First one. So what we've done with the bookmark, just to explain, is you'll get a, a title, Kingdom Impact, and then we've put a few words underneath that just to help you um, uh, think about what that means and uh, what that looks like. Jesus said, pray your kingdom come. That's the Father's kingdom comes. Of course, that means actually we have to act as well. Prayer is an action, it's a first step of obedience, but actually we also need to live it out. And it's great to pray for our work, our home, our community. I don't think they need lots of description. We know where we work if we work, whether you're a student, whether you're studying, whether you're working in the home, whether you're working in any sort of business or other setting. Pray for your work colleagues. Uh, yeah. I don't know, obviously it depends on your work setting, but I used to, when I was a child surveyor, I worked in a relatively small firm, uh, or at least a relatively small office. We had, a, uh, at the time, I think originally four staff when I started working there, including myself, and we grew to a 10 probably by the time I left there, something like that. I used to go in every so often early in the morning before anybody else got in, and I'd walk around the office and I would pray over each person's chair in the office. Powerful thing to do. Do you know, over those, uh, what, how many years was I there? Seven years, I think, I was there in Cambridge as a surveyor. We saw three people come back to God. Two who were away from God but actually knew him, just came back to him. The other didn't know God at all, comes into a relationship with him, goes on an alpha course, gets saved. That's a powerful thing. You, each one of us, in our work settings, it's where we spend most of our time. That's the reality of it. We are called to see the kingdom of God come where we work. We're commissioned to do that. We pray your kingdom come, but actually that also means, Lord, help me to bring your kingdom. Help me to bring your kingdom where I am, what I do every day. You may say, well, I'm at home. God, help me to bring your kingdom in my family, with my children, 
What a privilege to disciple children into Christ as they grow up, as they come to know and understand what, it, what their parents' faith is, that they wouldn't just parrot their parents' faith, but they would come to that place of mature faith themselves. So what are the signs of the kingdom? You may say, what signs do we know? How do we know when the kingdom's coming? Well, one of them is people getting saved, but there's many, many others. It's people getting healed. It's captives getting set free. It's people being baptized. It's justice being brought, God's justice being brought into situations. It's the poor, it's the needy, it's the vulnerable, vulnerable being well represented, being well cared for, being advocated for. And so, so much more. And we as a people are called. In fact, we are commissioned. We are anointed of God. We are anointed by God to see his kingdom come wherever we are. And that can be at work, that can be at home, and that must be also in the broader community. Alton needs to know Jesus. It may be a nice place to live. You may, uh, you know, you may have different views on that. I think it's a lovely place to live, having moved here two and a half years ago. But I'll tell you what, when the kingdom of God really breaks out in Alton, wow, it's going to be different. I long for that day. I long for the day where Alton's known not because of Jane Austen, not because of the watercress line, not because of whatever else it may be that, that people know Alton for, but they know Alton because actually it's a place where they can come and meet Jesus. Do you long for that? I long that for my for when I was in when I was in the secular workplace. I long for that in my office. Praise God, we saw a bit of that. I long for it in my home. I long for it in my neighbourhood. I long for it in our community, wider community. Your kingdom come. So we ought to be praying, kingdom impact, please, Lord. We all need to have that kingdom advancing mentality. It may well be that we need to start by saying, oh God, change me. I don't have that at the moment. I know it's there, but I need to repent of not, not owning it, of ignoring it. It makes me uncomfortable. The second one, is this, 15. I said 15? What do you mean 15? Well, we'd love to see, we're praying for 15 people to be saved this year. 15 people to be baptized this year. 15 people to be healed this year. You're mad. Some of you are sitting there thinking, you are absolutely stark raving mad. How on earth can that happen? Well, I'll tell you what, we can't do it but we can be used in it happening. And it's that attitude which says, hey, Lord, I'm available. I want to see your kingdom come. Use me, please. And it is. It's all about an attitude. You know, we can debate about the numbers. Some of you may be going, come on, what little faith you've got. Fifteen, is that all you can be praying for? Great, if you've got faith for more, pray for more. That's not a problem. Nobody's going to be going, whoa, hold on, we've got to 15 at the end of July. Sorry, stop. It's not going to happen, I can assure you. If we get to 50 at the end of the year, we'll be having a great party. But it starts with each of us, our attitude. Actually, do I know I'm commissioned to reach the lost, the needy, the hurting? Do I know that actually I've got authority to bring to their situation because I'm commissioned by God to do so? These are a sign, these, th uh, these three groups of people, seeing these 15 
in each of these groups of people. They're just a sign that the kingdom's coming. They're a sign that actually we're taking steps of faith. We're, we're prepared to risk things. We're prepared to be obedient to the promptings of God's Holy Spirit in our lives. Of course, some of us may think, I can't do that. I don't want to upset people. I don't want to upset the boss at work or those in authority. I don't want to be known as the, 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 the passionate Christian or whatever other phrase it may well be. And it's very easy for fear to get into us, into our hearts and lives. And we go, oh, sounds great, but I'll leave them to do it. It's so easy to do, isn't it? I can do that. Do you know I can do that? I can think, well... It's difficult for me, God. I don't know many non-Christians because I work amongst, mainly amongst Christians. My office is all saved already. Hallelujah. That's just an excuse. I've got neighbours who need to know Jesus. I live in a street where lots of people need to know Jesus. I live in a town where thousands of people need to know Jesus. And you know, Every time I walk into Sainsbury's to buy a bit of lunch or whatever, I can pray, God, your kingdom come here. I can just drop little thoughts into conversations. I can sense what the Holy Spirit is doing, and I have to then make a choice. Will I be obedient or will I be disobedient? Will I step out saying, I just wonder whether, does this mean anything to you? I've just got this phrase going around in my head. I'm, I'm a Christian. I, sometimes I feel God speaks to me. Uh, does this phrase mean anything to you? Or whatever it may well be. We have choices to make. I don't know whether anybody watches this. I've been a passionate supporter of the RN Life for decades. I grew up in a family which uh, was involved with boats and that sort of stuff from a tender age of about one. I think it was the first time I was on the water, something like that. Um, my parents supported the RNLI, and then I got into supporting the RNLI and all that sort of stuff. And there's a TV program called Saving Lives at Sea. I don't know whether you've seen it. Maybe you have. It's one of those programs which is a complete and total tearjerker because you see the enormous impact the RNLI have on people's lives, literally rescuing people from death. It is incredibly powerful. If you haven't watched it, it's always, it, yeah, you'll find it on one of those sort of uh, channels in the 20s or the 30s or the 40s, depending on your TV. And uh, sometimes it's on, I think, BBC Two when there's a new series or something like that. I was watching one the other day. And the circumstances the crew had to go out to were heart-wrenching, traumatic. And they were interviewing the crew afterwards. One of them said, you could not pay me to do what I do. It's too tough. It's too challenging. You would not be able to pay me enough, because I don't know whether you know that, but virtually the, the vast, vast, vast majority of people in the RLI are volunteers. They do it because they believe in something. They believe they can make a difference. That's what it's about. They're about saving lives at sea. Another one said, well, it's just in our DNA. If it's the storm force 9, 10, and if the waves are 5, 6, 7, 8, 10 meters, it doesn't matter. We still go. It's part of our DNA. It's part of who we are. Friends, I'm not on a guilt trip here. I'm really not trying to get us on a guilt trip, but is it in our DNA to save lives? see lives saved, to see the kingdom come, to see 15 saved, 15 baptized, 
15 healed. Be so easy for God. But he wants to use us in it. And we do it together as a team. You know, we you may, think, you may think, well, you know, that person's always evangelizing. Hey, pray for them. If you, can't, if you can't do what they're doing, at least pray for them and pray for what they're doing. Because we're not about soul fishermen. We live in a very individualistic culture, but actually we do this together. We are a body. And so we support one another. We encourage one another. I had the privilege of um, being involved with the Uganda Curry Night just over a week ago. You may say, well, what were you, what were you doing, Andrew? Uh, I was helping with the catering. I think I was helping. I don't think I hindered, but <laughs> to be frank, some people may wonder about things like that. Me and food, when it comes to preparation, etc., isn't always a good idea. So I was involved in serving. I got involved in that. And the guests who came, dozens of people who've got no clue yet about the kingdom of God, they were impacted. It was a phenomenal evening. It wasn't set up as an evangelistic evening. The gospel wasn't preached. But I tell you what, they saw something of the kingdom of God that night. They experienced something of the kingdom of God that night. We can all, in each of our different ways, be involved. So when you see 15 saved, baptized, and healed, don't think it's, it's them. They've got to do it. Let's think us. This is us. I need to move on. The third one is this. Holy Spirit. You know, if we were going to do all these things, we can't do it in our own strength. We really can't. You can try. I wish you luck. You'll be able to do some things. But God gives us his Holy Spirit and relationship with his Holy Spirit for a reason. It's to help us do all that the kingdom of God's about. It's to empower us. It's to, first of all, put that deep inner security in us that we know we're loved, so it doesn't matter what others say. It's the Spirit who cries out, Abba, Father, in us. We're going to hit that passage next week as we go back to the Galatians series, Galatians chapter 4. I'm so looking forward to preaching from it. It's the work of the Spirit. I can't do this sort of stuff. I can't stand in front of you in my own strength. Bad news if I do. I hate standing up in front of people in myself. Don't maybe realize that. I'm not actually naturally good in front of a crowd. It's only when I met Jesus that that started to change. We need the Spirit. Friends, if you don't know the Spirit, maybe you've never met the Spirit of God, can I encourage you? You can. You can even do it today. He's here. He was involved in your salvation. If you're a Christian, he was already involved in your life. You just may not recognize it. But he wants to come and fill you and live you and uh, live in you and be in you and guide you and direct you. He wants to walk hand in hand with you throughout life. He wants a deep relationship with you. And I've said this before, but I'll say it again. Praying, Holy Spirit, be my best friend. Great prayer. You won't find it in the Bible in the sense of those five words in that order. But it's through and through the scriptures. The Holy Spirit wants to be intimate with us. He wants to know us well. We want, he wants us to know him well. That's his desire. That's, his, that, that, that's what he's about. So that's why we put deepening relationship. Relationships grow. You, know, you may not know me very well yet. Maybe we'll get to know each other more. It can be like that with the Holy Spirit. We grow a relationship with him. He's a person. He's not a force. He's a person who we get to know who will speak to us and with us and who we can talk to, who will guide us and direct us. All these things are in Scripture. 
Friends, do we know the Holy Spirit that way? Do you know what? He also gives courage to those who lack courage. He also opens our eyes to see opportunities, to seize the moment, to seize the day, to sense that's God at work. I need to say something. I need to do something. I need to respond. If we're full of the Holy Spirit, if we've got that relationship with the Holy Spirit, obedience comes easier. I didn't say easy. Comes easier. He naturally, with him at work in our lives, he will ensure that we naturally advance the kingdom. We act uh, supernaturally in a natural way. Because that's part of what he does. He empowers us in that way. He'll also make sure we don't get wrapped up in wrong things because he's holy. So he's, he's, he's going to help us to see sin and temptation to sin and the things which will draw us away from God. And he's going to put like a big flashing beacon over it and say, watch out for that. That's going to take you out. Don't go there. Because he guides us in righteousness. He's a spirit of truth. He will enhance the truth of God in our spirit. He'll help us to sense, well, this is what God's doing. This is what the Father's saying. And he'll help us to understand the truth of God and to live it out. We don't need to look elsewhere. He is the full deal. He's the full package. He's everything we need for life and godliness. Everything we need for life and godliness. You see, God doesn't just say, hey, you can come a Christian, set us up and then leave us to go, does he? No, he says, I give you my spirit. Friends, let's be a people of the Spirit. Let's live in the presence of the Holy Spirit and know his power in our life. Let's seek him. There's a wonderful passage in the the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 11, where it says, basically it says, if you're looking for the Holy Spirit, you can be sure you'll get him. If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, there's so many things it talks about that those who seek will find, etc., etc., ask and it'll be given to you, etc., Luke uh, chapter 11, verse 10, I think. I haven't got it in my notes. Read it. There's a promise there, and there's six times it's basically repeated that promise. If you seek the Holy Spirit, he will come. He will come and live in you. He will come and fill you. He'll come and dwell in you. He'll come and empower you. He'll come and be your best friend. And as we are filled with the Spirit, we can be this sort of community, and this is what we want to be. We want to grow in community, we want to be a community first and foremost of disciples. That's who we are. Loved children of God, assured of who we are in Christ, knowing who we are in Christ. But we also want to be a community who are together in unity. Do you know the word community means together, com, and unity? Together in unity. Who, who what do we unite over? Well, it sure ain't our nationality, our race, our background, our age, or any of those things. You only have to look across this room. I don't know how many nationalities we've got in the room. 10, 12, 14, maybe 15 nationalities here today. And it's wonderful. And we love having a diverse church like that. It sure ain't about age because we've got a baby who's, uh, I don't know, 6, 9, 12 months old now in the church. Probably our youngest. And I won't say who the oldest is, but they are certainly over 90. It's not about our wealth or our poverty. It's not about anything like that. Where do we find unity? We find unity in Christ. It's Christ who makes the difference. It's Christ who changes us. We've been looking at that in the book of Galatians as we've been going along. But you know what? It's not just that. We're also called to define community. 
We're called to shape community. It goes back to what I was saying a few minutes ago. That's who we are. We're not just to be a community in here, all inward looking, oh, isn't it lovely, isn't it nice? No, we're to be in the community. We've actually got something which the world cannot manufacture. It's impossible to manufacture because fundamentally, first and foremost, your heart's got to be changed by God. So let's be a people. Let's be a people who look outward and shape the community around us. But there's one other thing. Community's precious. Let's protect it. Do you know what Satan loves to do amongst Christians? He loves to cause disunity. Disunity. He knows that where brothers dwell together in unity, there the Lord commands his blessing, even life forevermore, out of the Psalms. He knows that. There's a blessing of God in the unity of the church. That's why our, our unity across the churches is important to us, as well as our unity within the church. Please, let's look out for one another. Please, let's protect our unity. That means we protect one another. That means we don't hear ill of one another. If we hear something, we go to the source. We don't gossip it around. We don't tell others. We go to the source. If we get upset by someone, and it's bound to happen because that's part of being in a community, people will get upset with one another. It means we sort things out. We resolve things well. And you know what? Being clear that we're disciples, knowing that security of being filled with the Holy Spirit is what enables us to do it because no longer do our insecurities need to control us. No longer do our fears need to wrap around us and try to make us do things or say things which we don't want to do. Because in that place of perfect love, there is no fear. Can I encourage you, just as Jesus does in that prayer we read, Pray, deliver us from evil. Pray, resist us from, uh, help us to resist temptation. But can I also encourage you, let's take up and yield the armor of God, which is talked about in Ephesians chapter 6. If you've never read it, can I encourage you to read Ephesians chapter 6? Because we're in a battle. We're in a battle for the lives of the people of Alton and beyond. Let's pray these things. And the final one's this, freedom to grow. Freedom to grow. These are all things, just want to remind you, these are things we're asking you to pray, but also live. Freedom to grow. We have such a sense as a team that in the next year, the Lord's going to take us somewhere where we just need to get rid of some restrictions first. We're not quite sure what that may look like, I've already mentioned this on Friday, and I think I may have mentioned it other times as well. We're wondering whether it may be time for us to start another meeting. Maybe here, maybe somewhere else, another a multi-site meeting. Maybe plant a church. We're not quite sure yet. We're just asking God. We're seeking God. Please seek God with us over what we do. But we want to see greater impact, not just uh, here in autumn maltings and through autumn maltings, because we know we've got a wide area around us. Yeah, we're, at the best, we represent one in 100 people in autumn. That's pretty good as a church in its community, but that still means there's probably 
96, 97 others who don't yet know Jesus. Because obviously there are other Christians in other churches, which is great. I long for the day that's one in 50. Could even be one day we may even see one in 25. Not because I'm some megalomaniac who wants a massive church. Please don't get that. But I know the kingdom of God's enormous. And it's got impact on every part of society. And we're called to see God's kingdom come. The rule of God on earth revealed to all. So there's two things we're sensing this year which are particular challenges we're asking you to pray with us for over. The first is, as you're probably aware if you've been amongst us for any length of time, we have a mortgage on this building. This building is such a blessing from God to us. Be so grateful we have this. It's a ministry to our community in its own right. But in order to get this building up, I think originally we took out somewhere around 1.7 million pounds worth of borrowing, something like that. I can't quite remember the numbers. I may have that slightly wrong. And over the years, we've been paying that mortgage off. And praise God, you know, this month, for the first time ever, our mortgage is below 500,000 pounds. And that is absolutely wonderful. It means that we've cleared probably about £400,000 off the mortgage over the last three years, because three, three and a half years. When I started coming in, talking with the elders of the church, I remember being told the mortgage was somewhere over 900000 I haven't checked the exact numbers, but it's somewhere around there. And in fact, actually, this week, Steve, was, uh, Steve TP, our treasurer, was sending a check to the, uh, the building society holds the mortgage, for £22,500, I think it was, something like that, which is based from our last gift week. And our mortgage will be, once that's banked, prob- uh, by the end of the month, somewhere around £475,000. That's wonderful. That is absolutely amazing. Please, please, please don't hear me complaining. I'm really not. And yet our mortgage costs us £6,500 every month. And we're all giving in to that. And, you know, we could just keep on giving into that for the next five years, six years, until it's cleared. And that could be a way forward. But if we're going to start another meeting in another venue, plant a church, we need to see a release of our finances. And wouldn't it be amazing if that money which currently goes to the mortgage could be released to fund maybe a children's or family's worker, maybe another full-time elder, maybe other staff, or other initiatives, premises. I don't mean buying premises, just renting premises somewhere for another meeting. Equipment, resource, media, comms, all that sort of stuff. And, you know, we run on a very, very tight budget. We, we try and manage our budget incredibly well. We believe in stewarding the resources God's given us. And I think the, the, uh, the trustees do an amazing job of that. But I'm praying, God... Would you clear our mortgage this year? It's not a word. Please don't think, oh, God said. No, we're just saying, hey, can we pray? God, clear our mortgage this year. Can you release our finances? Maybe there's a different way of doing it, Lord. That's fine. If you've got a different way of doing it, maybe our general fund giving will just increase over the next 6, 12 months such that actually the mortgage becomes not much of an issue because we've got that three, four, five thousand pounds a month extra in our, uh, in our general giving. That would be amazing. I don't know what the answer is, but would you pray with us? Would you seek God? Would you say, hey, Lord, how do you want to use me in this process? 
help each one of us. Would you bless us that we can be a blessing to the ends of the earth? We want to see the mortgage cleared. But you know, the other part of the challenge here is this. If any of this is going to happen, it requires someone to step up. What do you mean by someone? Well, I'm playing a little bit. It requires someones to step up. What do you mean by someones, Andrew? Everyone to step up. Too easy to think that they'll do it. But if we start a second meeting somewhere, we'd need kids workers, we'd need worship team, we'd need preachers, hosts. Set up, take down. If we see it happen, actually, it means we need to all understand our commission in God and take steps to see the kingdom of God advance where we started right at the beginning of this preaching. And so, I want to encourage you now to do something really dangerous. I want to encourage you to pray a really dangerous prayer. If you're not ready for it, don't. I'm going to put it up on the screen because I want you to be able to read it first. I'm sorry, it's a little bit small. I will read it to you in case you can't read the screen easily. So you know what you're praying. God, disrupt my life in a way that leads me to the lost. Introduce me to people who live on the other side and give me grace to reach out to them in the power of your spirit. It's just one step. It may feel like one of the most gigantic steps. But it's one step. There's lots of things here we're asking you to pray for. Giving God consent to disrupt our lives. <laughs> you may think that's crazy. What happens if he does? Some nervous looks on faces. What happens if he does? How exciting that would be. How thrilling to introduce somebody else to Jesus. How thrilling to see somebody who's needy, their life being turned around because they've met Jesus. How wonderful it would be to see somebody healed, powerfully healed, like we have been seeing over this last year. We've seen a number of really significant healings. Two cancers in the last year, gone in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. That happens when we step out. We take that big step. Say, so disrupt my life, Lord. I'm up for it. I hate the thought of it, but I'm up for it. Let's be real. You may be thinking that. I think that. When I wrote this prayer, I was thinking, this is madness, Andrew. This is complete and total madness. And then I prayed it. Disrupt my life, please, Lord. For the glory and honor of your name. That's really the essence of the prayer. So I want to invite you. I want to invite you to take one of these bookmarks as you leave and start praying. In a moment, I'm going to invite you to stand to pray that prayer if you want to. There is no shame if you don't. If you're not there yet, that is absolutely fine. But before we do that, I want to explain what's on the back of the bookmark. Because on the back of the bookmark, it says this. Five people I will pray for in 2020. 
first names only. Can I ask you to make sure you only put first names? The reason is, if it falls out of your book and somebody else picks it up, it's not great if you've got somebody's full name on there, because somebody else may know them. First names only. And at the bottom, it, uh, and then there's five spaces for five names. And at the bottom it says this, transformed lives, changing communities. Our lives have actually been transformed by knowing Jesus. Sure, there's an ongoing transformation, but they have. And we are called to see communities transformed. And so actually that's another prayer at the bottom there. Transform lives, transform my life, Lord. Change our community, change our communities. In terms of who you put on there, you may be thinking, I don't know five unsaved people. Who said they need to be unsaved that you're praying for? Can I just be very clear on this? It's five people that God puts on your heart to be praying for. I would encourage you to have some unsaved people on there. But you actually may know some people who are in real need. They need something of God, need God to intervene in their life. For all sorts of different reasons. They may be Christians, they may be family, they may be friends, they may be work colleagues. Prayerfully think, who do I put on there? Who have I got faith for? Who can I, with the eye of faith, see God meeting in this next year? Who can I pray for? And then whenever you see your bookmark, don't forget to turn it over. I pray for those people. I'm not going to say pray for them daily or every hour or every minute or whatever, yeah, all that sort of stuff. That's rules and regulations. It's a heart thing, prayer. It's a heart thing. But I, God, I want them to meet you. Please intervene in their life. So, I don't want to wind things up at all, but if you want to pray this prayer with me, can I invite you to stand? Wow, and thank you. Let's commit ourselves to the Lord. God, please disrupt my life in a way that leads me to the lost. Introduce me to people who live on the other side. Please give me grace to reach out to each and every one of them by the power of your spirit at work in me. Amen. Amen. Can we have the band back, please? Please stay standing. That's a powerful prayer you've just prayed. And I'll tell you what, God hears it. Your loving Heavenly Father hears it. And he will give you the spirit of grace and truth. His grace, his truth, to empower you and to enable each one of us to do just that. As so while the band's set up, can I encourage you again just to close your eyes. And we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come on us. Remind us of who we are in Christ. 
fill us with his passion for the lost, the needy and the broken. And give us his power. We ask, Holy Spirit, come now. Remind us who you've made us to be. Remind us of how great our Father is, how he loves us and cares for us. Be our best friend. Guide us through life and help us see your kingdom come wherever, whenever we go. That autumn and this district, our country and even the world will be one to Jesus, who we know is the only answer. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Fill us, Holy Spirit of God, to do these things we ask. Empower us. Receive the Holy Spirit now. Be filled afresh with God's Spirit. Hallelujah.